Believe in yourself. You are braver than you think, more talented than you know, and capable of more than you imagine. That is a quote by Roy T. Bennett. Welcome to Trina Talk. Trina Talk is a weekly podcast that will inspire and empower women of all ages to strive for the impossible. Your host, Trina L. Martin from TrinaMartin.com is a motivational speaker, leader, and cybertech expert. Every week, Trina will share wisdom gained from her life experiences and lessons learned while pursuing her goals to inspire you to achieve the next level in your life. Now, your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to Trina Talk. This is episode 14 and today's topic is tell your story. This week's guest is Siobhan Houghton. Siobhan is an author, owner of a publishing company and yoga company, and she's also the host of the podcast Ladies Night. Siobhan shares her story with me and I'm sure you will be inspired by it. Welcome to the show. Siobhan, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Trina? And thank you for having me. Oh, I'm doing well. And thank you for your time um, for joining me today. So you are a busy lady. You have <laughs> a publishing company. You um, host the podcast Ladies Night. And you also have a yoga business. So let's start out. Tell us who you are and about all of these things that you do. I think at the core of who I am, I'm a creative. And so um, where I see opportunities, even if it's amongst the saturated, like, environment, I usually try to approach it from a different angle. So uh, my background is in the performing arts. I've loved the arts since forever. But um, my grandmother always told me I should go into education. So um, <laughs> I went to college in the Midwest um, for my undergraduate degree in theater. And then afterwards, I worked in K through 6 for a little bit in elementary school where um, I led their theater camp as well as their after school program. And then I decided I wanted to work with older kids <laughs> and went back to grad school to study higher ed and student affairs and eventually worked at my alma mater um, for about three years, almost four, um, in academic advising for IT. So I think that IT experience and everything, it all kind of just became gumbo within and it helps me to creatively express myself through my different businesses and organizations I'm involved in. Wow. So <laughs> you are creative. You started teaching, and bless your heart for being wanting to be a, a teacher because that is a hard job, I have to tell you. I mean, I, if I had to teach my kids all day, every day, I don't know if I could do that with my own children. So. Thank you for doing that. Um, but now, I don't know if I want to – I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I was like, I don't know if I wanted to be a teacher. I had the after-school part, so it was a little bit more play. <laughs> oh, okay. So it, it wasn't as bad as being locked up in a classroom for eight hours with, <laughs> with some children, Correct. huh? Okay. Oh, yes, that's well, hard. <laughs> okay. Well, then, okay, that, that's, that makes – a world of difference because, yeah, teachers, my hat is off to them because especially in today's day and age, it is really a job and the people who do it have to love it because they don't get paid a lot and they do a lot. So I, I really appreciate that. But let's, let's get into what you're doing today. So you have two books, correct? You have Dating yes. Daddy. And you mm -hmm. have writing to resonate. Yes. Yeah. So, so I, yeah, go ahead. Tell me about those books. Um, so Dating Daddy, uh, the full title is Dating Daddy, Realizing God as 
father through daddy issues and bad romance. And it's a story of uh, redemption, I think. It's based off of my life. It's a true story. Um, And it's very candid about my own spiritual journey. But then when I founded the uh, publishing company and published that book, um, I feel like I had to go through my personal Joe season to really be able to feel and empathize on a deeper level. And so that informed how I published and how I wanted to publish other authors. And that's what gave birth to the publishing model in Writing to Resonate, the second book. Okay. So uh, why did you write Dating Daddy? And I was, I was reading a few pages of it in the, in the cover and, and, you know, the, the synopsis of it. And that resonated with me a lot because I went through similar things. Um, as far as mm-hmm. looking for um, acceptance in other people and loving other people and not having a father present in my life. And that really does impact your life as you turn into an adult and as being growing into a woman. So mm-hmm. what made you be so transparent and decide to write this book? Um, as you mentioned, um, it's a common story that a lot of women have. But then I remember when I was dating someone in 2007, he was old enough to be my father. And um, I thought the word dating daddy came to me then. But um, I, I even started working on the book, but it it stopped. Um, it wouldn't happen until the relationship after that that I got married. And... Um, it was supposed to be like a fairy tale relationship, but when it abruptly came to an end, um, I was emotionally open in a way I've never been in my entire life to go from somebody who always appeared to be okay, even though everything was horrible at home, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, to now being someone who felt everything. I feel that that was, um, especially God using what I was going through, through the process of the separation, divorce, and I lost several family members all within a short period of time um, to really allow me to speak from an honest place and to speak to other daughters who are tired of um, having relationships that don't last or entering relationships for the wrong reason. I was able to speak to their hearts. But then he also transformed my own story to showing me that um, God is ultimately a unconditionally loving father. And so um, I, I believe the purpose of the book was to not only encourage me in the writing process, but to encourage other daughters um, through telling the story. But if, if all of those events did not happen, I probably would not have told as much <laughs> as I ended up telling in the book. <laughs> wow. Wow. I mean, that that was pretty courageous of you to put it all out there because I thought about that. I said, wow, it's like, I don't know if I would have laid it all out there, but, you know, everyone has a story and your, you know, your story is your testimony and you never know who you're impacting with your story until you tell it. Right, right. Because even when I was going through it, and I, I still see the same therapist that I was seeing during that time, but, um, she always brings back up how the people I needed to speak to, the people who share similar stories, I was interacting with them or, you know, ironically being introduced to them during that season. So I would meet other women who were about to face the separation or divorce or other women who wanted answers. So it kind of served as confirmation that I needed to tell the story. Now, there's parts I didn't tell um, mm-hmm obviously, because I've had, like, several editors. I had my best friends look at the book before I published. But right. it's pretty vulnerable, the, some of the stories mm-hmm. I open up about. Yeah. Wow. So one that I think of that comes to mind in particular. So January 2016 was kind of like one of the darkest periods of it all. Um, like, on a Saturday, I was already going through the separation 
and my grandfather and I had a ritual of going to the movies, and The Revenant had just came out. And so midway through the movie, I'm like, oh, my gosh, Leonardo DiCaprio is going through so many bad things. Like, what does this word Revenant mean? And so I pulled out my phone during the movie, which I usually do not do, and I looked up the word, and it said, someone who comes back, especially after they're presumed dead. And I was like, I'm, okay, whatever, that, does, that doesn't make sense. Like, he's going through a lot. I guess he's going to come back in the end. That was on Saturday. On Sunday, um, I woke up to the call from my mom that one of her eldest brothers had passed away, natural causes. And then um, by later that afternoon, we visited her, her uncle, which was my great uncle, who had a closer relationship than the first uncle that day, um, who passed away that day. We went to visit my great uncle, and we arrived right before the coroner arrived to his house. Um, and so it was two deaths in one day. Then the next day, I got the call that um, my divorce was finalized. And so it was a lot of things that happened in January 2016 that could have broken me, and I felt like, God, I can't believe <laughs> there's any more to take out of this. But um, it was also with that exhausted feeling that I went to my therapy session, and she said some words that kind of, like, changed the trajectory of how I saw it all. And things didn't get better immediately, but um, things started to have more meaning, I guess, after January 2016. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that That's a lot. That is really, I mean, and it's funny because God always shows you signs and open doors for you and closed doors for you. And kind of in my walk of life now, I'm, like you, I've gone through so many things where I have really started to look within myself and be more, in tune to what God is saying to me. And I've noticed that when I'm not even thinking about it, doors are open and the doors he closed, mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'm glad he closed that door. At the time, you don't feel that way because you're going, man, why did this happen? Or why didn't this work out? Mm-hmm. But then, <laughs> but soon after, you're going, yeah, okay. I'm glad Lord you saw that. It, <laughs> it closed that door. So I, yes, I right. totally, yeah, I am on that same page with you. So with that book and your experiences, in that, what, how did you end up knowing your worth and gaining your self-esteem after all you had been through? So I can give like a super spiritual answer, but it really does feel that way. Like it was, I felt like I was being isolated during that period, like, I, um, for those first few months after my husband decided he didn't want to be married anymore, I lived in our apartment for about three months or so by myself. But um, the day that he left, I saw the movie The War Room. And so I took all those tools that the main character had as far as, like, praying every day, reading the Bible every day, um, putting up scriptures and positive affirmations throughout the house. Like, that was kind of, like, the the new seeds I felt that were being planted. Mm-hmm. And then um, after that, I moved in with a friend, but she was protective over me, and I was starting to learn boundaries probably for the first time in my entire life. And so, you know, you become super – I became super uh, – like an empath – I felt everything, so I just learned how to say no. If, you know, someone came around and they wanted to talk about the ex or if they saw them, I got a lot of exciting reports. Just kind of gauging that energy off of people and learning to walk away or uh, do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Um, But I, I don't feel like I really resurfaced for another, like, year, maybe year and a half because um, of how sensitive I was to the situation as well as um, there's also a time of new seeds planting. So finding my identity in Christ um, and not even just a strictly biblical relationship, like just knowing 
when I wrote down, um, and my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus, like, I have evidence in my own life where I didn't have any money. Somehow somebody knew I was hungry or I was on their mind, but they would take me out to eat. Or the payment that was due, like God making a way to have it paid, like even if it's 11.59 p.m. the night before, (laughs) you know, it was just a time where that he was my true reliance, even though there was, you know, my circle was a lot smaller during that time, it was like he knew my prayers. He knew what was going on. And so I had to, I mean, when you don't have anybody who is that persistent and um, knows the deepest part of you, like, they also can't break you. So it just, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it really um, solidified my faith. And I'm not perfect by any means, and I think that's another thing that made that time period hard because I had to do a lot of reflection and to see, you know, um, God, you love me in spite of all this craziness I got myself into. <laughs> I don't know. It's, 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 it's like the love of a father. I've seen fathers. Cause I worked in a more affluent school when I worked in K through six. I've seen parents pick up their kids and I would tell them like, your kid kicked another kid. And they're like, oh, okay, and they'll discipline them. And then they're like, I love you. And it's like, wow, God, you love me like that? Like, a parent that oversees your flaws, like, there's no other force that can come against you when you know that with all of your might. Yes. Yes. I totally agree. So you are creative. You get degrees in education. What made you want to author a book? Was it just that experience? Was it had you always want to do that? What? How did this desire come about? You know, you know how people say, "Be careful what you pray for," because you just don't know how it's going to come about. <laughs> I would just venture off to say, "Be careful what you say," too, because it might have been a long-term dream of mine and my friends from high school reminded me of that after I published, but I completely forgot about that dream. I think um, for me, I've always am solace in writing. So another part of my childhood is that I grew up to a parent that is addicted to um, drugs. And so writing became the thing that kind of helped me to get the thoughts out of my head onto paper and to process life, even from nine years old or whatnot. Um, And so I think there's always been traces of becoming a writer, but then it wasn't until going through that situation that I felt like, and I think my cousin told me, like, you don't go through anything, especially like that, uh, for no reason. It's usually to help someone else. So I think that's when I made up my mind to, actually write the book um and even leading up to me finishing the manuscript I was like I'm not publishing this (laughs) that was a good writing exercise (laughs) almost 300 pages writing exercise (laughs) oh my goodness but you did it and you have a publishing company now Mm -hmm. tell us about that how how did you go from okay not wanting to write the book, but you've completed it, and then deciding to start your own publishing company. And did you publish your book through your own publishing company? Correct, correct. So technically I self-published my first book through my publishing company, but then the books I've published after are considered published by, you know, a publishing company. Um, My grandmother. Ever since I was a little kid, I guess she sold a lot of seeds because I'm living a lot of them out. But um, she always talked about uh, publishing books. She wanted to talk about her life as a mixed girl growing up in the 1930s um, because she's fair-skinned, so her experience was different than most um, brown-skinned women. Mm -hmm. So she also wanted to talk about uh, the gentrification she saw in our hometown, especially where, you know, some of the black neighborhoods were 
um, replaced by hospitals that are still standing there now um, and all that. So she told all these stories. She's like, I'm going to publish my book. I'm going to publish my book. That's what she said all of my life. And so um, when I finished the book, um, I named the company after her. Well, as far as we, she and I share the very similar first name. Her name was Yvonne and my name is Yvonne. So we both have that Z. And then my mother's middle name is K, and my middle name is Luck K. So that's where I got the K from. And my mother, she's a resilient woman. Um, she's taught me the power and bounce, like you can bounce back from anything. And so um, because they both shaped my identity, I named the publishing company VK Press. And so it would be like a year later, my grandmother passed, that I really became serious about getting the stories out of other people who have that long-held dream of writing books because, unfortunately, she passed away without ever publishing her stories. And like Les Brown says, you know, some people leave and we cannot try to convey what they would have conveyed in their work. So, unfortunately, right. she died with her story. So, wow. Yeah. So did your grandmother get to see you um, with your publishing company and your book, or did she pass before that? Um, she saw it. I was um, – our relationship was partly estranged <laughs> prior to her death. I did see her, like, the week that she passed. She passed away alone um, in her apartment, but um, she she saw what I had done those last few years. It was as if um, she raised nine children, so she kind of avoided family function. She avoided, you know, all the things that bring people together. She avoided even living out her own life and her own wishes. But those last couple years of her life, she started going to concerts. <laughs> she went to um, – I was weightlifting and competing as a weightlifter. She went to some of my competitions, uh, different things like that. So. I felt like those last couple of years of her life was redemptive, not only for her, but even for me and our relationship. Wow. Yeah. That, that's very special. Very yeah, special. That's my <laughs> wow. So let's move on to your other businesses. Now you yes. have your, your podcast, Ladies Night. Tell us about yes. that. That's kind of saucy. Yes, it is. So while I was going through that healing process, again, not too many people were around, but we would have ladies' night amongst the three or four people I still, like, hung out with. Um, and so it was during one of those ladies' night ends that um, I opened up about something that I felt like a lot of shame around. And in my heart, in my heart stopped. It was just like, I cannot believe I just said that. You know, it's like everything goes in slow motion after that. But then my friend, she's like, oh, yeah, me too. I was like, what? So you saying that like, <laughs> I'm going through 30-plus years of thinking that something's wrong with me, but then you confirm that I'm not the only one that's going through this? <laughs> like, wow. So from that experience alone, I was like, I wonder how many women feel that way. So I wanted to create a platform to have more candid conversations and that ends up being ladies' night because that is so liberating for so many women locally, but I also want to create that in a broader sense. Yes. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now, I've listened to, you know, several episodes. Now you have the <laughs> ladies' night in and ladies' night mm -hmm. out. What's the difference? Mm -hmm. So uh, the tagline is, whether it's Ladies Night In or Ladies Night Out, this is what you're talking about. So when you think of Ladies Night In, what kind of things do you talk about? Like relationships, <laughs> mm -hmm. other things like yeah. that. More of those heart matters, your career, stuff like that. When it's mm -hmm. Ladies Night Out, you talk about, like, style and beauty trends. And so it's mm -hmm. just whatever's on your heart um, – as related to whether it's a ladies' night in topic or a ladies' night out. Okay. I, I, I like it, though. I, I like the concept behind it and how you have your, your, your girlfriends talking with you. I'm like, this is actually pretty good. And some of the stuff I'm going, yep, I would, I would do that. Like, I found myself in the grocery store shopping one day, and I was listening to the episode where you guys were asking, 
um, mascara or lipstick. And I was like, ooh, mm-hmm. man, man. I was like, no, I'm going <laughs> to <do> mascara. <laughs> I was like, I have to have mascara. <laughs> you can't give away your answer for the podcast. <laughs> no, <I'm> just... <laughs> okay. Okay, well, just pretend like you didn't hear that one. But, <laughs> but so, yeah, so I was shopping and I was listening. So I really like like your podcast is, is very, um, like I said, it's very saucy. I'm like, ooh, I'm like, this is very good. I like it. Now, we're going on. You're welcome. We're going on to your yoga business. Now, you said okay. you lifted weights at one point. Now you're doing yoga, so you're big into fitness. Yes. I think I was, in a weird way, I was, that's what the show was. I was thinking about this earlier, but cannot remember. So even when I was a kid, I was at home doing the body electric videos that were on TV. <laughs> I don't know if you remember. It was like maybe on PBS there was a movement show. But, um, yeah, so, yes, I've been into fitness for a while. I wouldn't say I was a high school athlete, but after high school, once I um, really got serious, I think the first thing I probably got serious about was CrossFit. And so um, I started doing CrossFit as a way to impress my ex-husband when we were dating. I was like, oh, okay. This was uh, serious because he was a very, like, in-shape guy. Like, a lot of people, a lot of people would have thought that he put in a lot of hours to work out, but he was just naturally muscular. So I just thought I could impress him by doing something very rigorous. But then um, when we were going through our separation and all, I started to use CrossFit as a way to exert that kind of energy. So that healing mm-hmm. process included, like, uh, CrossFit and writing and going to therapy and all these other things. But when after that January 2016 period in that pivotal um, therapy session, because basically the question she asked was, what would your CrossFit coaches say when you're lifting heavier weights? Because I was just like, I can't bear all of this. And she said, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, um, they would tell me to, and I'm really thinking about this, and I'm, my face is, like, so wet from all the tears. I was like, they would tell me to lift the lighter weight as if it was the heavier weight. And then that was my epiphany because um, up until that point, I was learning about praying every day, uh, you know, keeping positive energy, all of that. So it's like all the things that helped me through the months prior are going to be the same things that helped me through this grief and everything that came up recently at that point. Mm -hmm. So after that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to start competing. (laughs) So that year I competed my little tail off. I started training as an Olympic weightlifter, which is two movements, the um, clean and jerk and the snatch. And so Mm -hmm. um, I loved it because, you know, you focus on these points that you hit like, you know, you stop at your knees and then you thrust your hips. And so it was, like, very focused in that way that um, helped me to really channel my energies. And so my first competition was actually uh, the day after uh, Muhammad Ali passed away. And I felt like mm. that was so, like, meaningful because I had had his um, – face on my phone for a while leading up to this. I was just like, wow, you know, you're also speaking to me, like, whatever. But (laughs) I did a few more competitions after that um, that felt good. But then there were still parts of me that I felt um, that needed some more, like, healing. And I had been playing around with yoga, but not really seriously. And I even started posting about my yoga journey on social media, not intending anything, just whatever. And so by this point, I'm into, like, year three in my current job, which was in higher education. And one of the faculty members in my department, um, she and I would talk about weightlifting because she did it too, but she was also a yoga instructor. She has no affiliation with any yoga uh, studio in the state of Indiana. But she said, hey, you should consider being a yoga instructor because I was doing yoga in my office to help me with anxiety attacks and everything. And so I was like, sure. Who knew that the <laughs> yoga informational would be like the following Sunday? So it's just been very 
much an unfolding experience. So I enrolled in yoga teacher training within a couple weeks, and I felt that um, I was being pulled to leave my job. And, you know, yoga talks about energy a lot. And so um, when I found the strength in OM, the meaning for me was, because I love weightlifting, I love yoga, and so I needed something that would combine the two, but then also, you know, strength is not just about being able to lift the heaviest weight. It's also about choosing just to breathe through something. So that's what the meaning of it is for me. Wow. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> very, very profound. So what is your goal with all that you're doing? What What is your goal for yourself, for clients, or other people out there? Uh, personally, I want to be like um, like Elon Musk or Puff Daddy or Jay-Z. And I love so far from what we've been talking about so far, but they basically turn like their interests into businesses. And so like even if you look at Puff Daddy, he, he has biz or he has music, he has beverages, he has a lot of different things that are part of your everyday life that he turned into a brand. And so for me I want to do something similar with having multiple businesses. Right now only the three. But um with VK Press, I want to help people tell their stories, whether that's through trainings or publishing or helping them to self-publish. Through Ladies' Night, um, one of the annual events for that is an Envision Board brunch. And we just had our first annual in that, this past October. But um, through Ladies' Night, I want to empower women to not feel alone in their stories, but then also elevate them through you know, seeking a vision beyond where they currently are. And then with Strength and Own, I want to help people learn self-acceptance. It was through my yoga practice that um, I felt like I came back into myself um, because, you know, when you're going through grief, you kind of just don't want to be in your body anymore. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. it helped me to learn that I was okay as I was, even though I had gained 30 pounds from my complete competitive weight, um, I felt okay in my own skin through the physical practice of yoga. And so um, my my hope is to, I think all of them gear towards women. So empower women through their voice, um, through their self-acceptance, and just their, how they see themselves would be the short version of all of those three businesses. That's great because... I as well am trying to empower women just as you, but from a different perspective. And my perspective is with my podcast and my speaking is sharing my story and my experiences and the wisdom gained to help someone else not make the same mistakes and to help somebody else achieve what they want to achieve because, honestly, I had to do a lot of things alone and I didn't have help and Uh I didn't know things, so I had to learn the hard way or trial by fire. So if I can help anyone else to avoid that by imparting my wisdom, that's what I'm all about. And one thing I'm really passionate about after, you know, since I've been doing this is about us women collaborating and doing things together because so many times, and this is something that I've noticed throughout my life and especially my career is men help each other. They are always doing the business deal. You know, they don't have to be best friends with each other, but they can see each other on a, on a golf course and say, Hey Jim, I have this deal and I know, you know, you're qualified for it how would you like to hear about it? And that's mm-hmm. what they do it. And women, and we as women, we don't do that with other women. I think a lot of times it's in, in some women's heads, it's a competition. And if I share my knowledge with mm-hmm. you, then you're going to go further than me. So I'm not going to share it. So I'm going to keep it to myself. Oh. And I want to break that. 
I want to stop that. And with podcasting, I've been thinking about how far I'm going to take this, and I'm not going to spill any beans now, but women like you, I want to come together, and I want us to start collaborating and doing something. Oh, so I agree. I, I, I really agree. like that. I recently did an episode yeah. with a pharmacist who talked about that very thing. Um, she talked, she promoted collaboration, even though, you know, her particular industry, you know, may, may feel saturated when she's in a room full of pharmacists and they're like from different pharmacy um, companies or brands, she found ways for them to work together. And I think what you're doing is very courageous because First of all, like you said, like if you have a scarcity mindset, you're not going to see opportunities to collaborate. But you're out here doing this work. You're interviewing women who I wouldn't be directly connected to, partly because of where I am geographically, but their stories touch me where I am. And so to have a podcast and to do the type of work that you're doing with that mindset that you're doing it with, I mean, that's going to have so much more of an impact later on. And I have women that have reached out to me months after we recorded. And actually, the podcast is over a year and a half old. But months after we recorded, they're saying, like, I listened to the episode with me and there. Thank you. And so just imagine, like, the impact you're making even amongst the guests on the show. Like, I don't get interviewed that often. Cause I'm sure this will be an episode as well as some others that I'll go back to and feel grateful to be a part of. So thank you so much for what you're doing. Well, thank you for what you're doing. So <laughs> let's continue on before we get all sappy and emotional with Listen, each other. <laughs> That's the goal. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I'll... let's continue on. <laughs> so... I'll never this girl again. Sorry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> that you know, I'm I'm at that point too, and I don't know if it's because of I'm I'm getting older, or what it is, but I have become this person as well. So let's move on, so we can yeah. both continue with the interview. But with <laughs> saying everything that you have said, no, before I go there, I I want to ask you. So with your publishing company, how many other books have you published, whether they're yours or someone else's? So far, I have uh, one uh, version of the themes. It's a collection of poetry by a, a well-known poet in the city. I'm currently working with a child author. He and his twin wrote a book together. They'll be eight in February, so we're hoping to publish by their birthday. And then um, I have one that's kind of in the editing phase by another poet in the city. Um, but I, I feel that if I, if I like, wrestled with should I try to get as many books as possible or should I try to serve people directly and have that intimate impact? And I'd rather do the boutique style. So I'm kind of taking it one project at a time. <laughs> okay. Great. That, yeah. that sounds open. great. Good. Sci-fi, whatever so, else is out there. <laughs> so what is, since Trina Talk is inspirational and we're trying to empower women, what is a motivational takeaway that you will leave with the listeners? A takeaway for the listener is should if you I, I hate to use my usual which my usual takeaway which is usually trust your um, intuition. You should do that, but I think I would challenge the listener. Um, to pursue their dreams no matter how scary it is. I feel mm -hmm. that we are purposed to do things um, that are unique to who we are, that fit our personality. And so um, you'll have those obstacles come up that you might not feel like you had enough money or you're unqualified for or other limiting beliefs. But I would challenge the listeners to lean into it anyway. It sounds cheesy and all the same, lean into it, but just take the next step. And I think even Oprah says take the next best step. Um, there's plenty of stories I could tell on that, but I know, um, I just know that by taking a chance on yourself, 
when you know it's something you're supposed to do is going to open up doors and opportunities for you that you couldn't imagine. I agree. And it's funny you said pursue your dreams no matter how scary because that's the topic. My main talk topic is pursuing, helping women pursue their, their dreams no matter how impossible it may seem. Oh, and that's good. And I, that is something I just feel deep down within, you know, my being. And just you saying that is, it just, it just struck me after a while. That is exactly what I want to do. And pursuing your dreams, that is a big thing. And that's what that's where Trina talks them from, and that's why I have women like you here interviewing because, yeah, it, it seems impossible. It's something that I never thought I would do, but doors have just been opening, and it's funny because I shared with another guest that I asked for who would, you know, be willing to be a guest, and honestly, I really didn't think I was going to get anyone to respond, but several people did, and that just showed me, and it just made me feel so good because I was, I was going, wow, I, now I know this is something that it's my purpose and something that I really want to do. So pursuing your dreams and your passion and doing things that you feel that you were put on this earth to do, because we all are here to do something. We just mm-hmm. have to figure out what it is. So and sometimes I you'll get that confirmation right when you're talking to somebody. <laughs> like, yes. This is the moment when, like, you have to show up sometimes yes. to get the confirmation. So it might be a long journey getting there. You're questioning the whole way. But I've had podcast interviews where I've interviewed somebody. They don't know anything about what's going on in my life, going on in my life. But they will say something that spoke to me. And I'm like, that's the confirmation I needed in this moment. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. So we're going to get ready to wrap up. But what I like to do, as with all my guests, I have a series of 10 questions that I like to ask. They're just whatever comes to your mind off the cuff, um, nothing that's taxing on the brain. Just a little bit to, you know, tell us a little bit more about you. And I modeled this after. I don't know if you've ever watched Inside the Actor Studio with James Lipton, but I used um, to love that show. And he had a series of questions that he asked the actors at the end that were the guests. So I don't have those same questions, but that's where I got this idea from. So are you ready? I am ready. I hope I pass. It's not a test, and there's no right or wrong answer. This is all about you. So here we go. What or who motivates you? Wow. Um, (laughs) Oh, Lord Jesus. I don't know. Um, I, I have it. My niece. In my first book I put, I dedicated it to my niece because I didn't want her to experience anything I experienced as a kid. So she has motivated me to push through some projects. And um, when I was the most depressed, it was her smile was the only reason I smiled. So my niece is definitely my biggest motivation. Okay. What demotivates you? Demotivate? Mm-hmm. Um, that is very good. Um, I, I don't know, because I've pushed through a lot. <laughs> I don't know if I can answer that one. <laughs> okay. There's what? something that demotivates you. Um, the reason why it's hard is because anytime. I've ever felt a limiting belief or, like, someone saying no, I've found my yes around the corner. So it might be, like, pauses, but I don't know if anything, like, would completely 
demotivated. Okay. Um, yeah. Maybe late night when I'm sleepy, I have to go to sleep. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll let you get away with that one. Okay, so when <laughs> when was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked out for your good? Oh, now that's probably plentiful. Um, I would say, I, I can't say a direct quote, but I would say some of uh, a lot of the, some of the, the, the naysayers that hit the heaviest are like family members. So especially because I'm doing something that's outside of the box, um, I felt resistance or even cut off in that relationship, but it worked out because I was able to forge new relationships with people who supported the dreams. So that was probably it. It worked out. Okay. What is your fear? Becoming a meme. Like, so serious. (laughs) I'm afraid that someone's going to catch me doing something very candidly, and then it becomes a meme for the year. (laughs) Okay. All right. I know. Okay. I I didn't expect that one, but like I said, no judgment here. This is how you feel. Um, is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Showed up. So going back to the advice, I, I didn't show up as much as I'm telling the listeners to. I let shame. I let doubt. I let low self-esteem, perceived lack to keep me from celebrating moments with people that really put their necks out for me or who really love me. So, um, I would probably say showing up would be that. Okay. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? Um, it's so funny. So <laughs> I know this is about to air amongst a lot of peers, but one of my sorority sisters asked me some questions after my divorce about marriage. She's like, what was something you wouldn't do to us? I said that I wouldn't have gotten married, but <laughs> without that marriage and the breakup, then I wouldn't be living out my life as I am right now. So on one hand, it probably would be that marriage because, you know, there's signs. People, mm-hmm. ladies, don't ignore the signs, and that's why the the number one thing I stand on is trust your intuition, but... um yeah, I probably would not have moved forward had I had all my senses. <laughs> Ooh, amen. Um, <laughs> what is your definition of success? Dying empty, so not leaving anything on this earth. Um, yeah, I'll keep it simple. Just, just not leaving any unused talent, unused gift, unused thing that you offer to others here. Like mm-hmm. give all of, they say give, give flowers to people while they're alive. I'd say give all your gifts while you're alive. Okay. How do you recharge? The main one would be sleep. I love sleep. I nap quite frequently. but then um, you know just going back to family time especially going to the movies with my granddad we still do that not as often as we did um, before but just just little things like that and just watching kids again I I can't be around kids for a long period of time but I'm around some right now and like when I'm able to teach them how to cook something and see their face light up and their pride in something they've done for themselves, like that lights me up. Okay. What are you awesome at? I am awesome at pivots. So that's why that one question earlier was harder, uh, hard to answer because 
I've seen so many no's as a kid and see, I saw how my mom not navigated those no's that that's a quality I have. So if someone says no or whatnot, there's a perceived limitation, I'll find a way around it. Okay. And our final question, what legacy do you want to leave? Oh, primarily for my niece to have generational wealth, unless I have children of my own. Um, but I think the legacy I would like to leave would be, and I'll go back to the three businesses, that I've helped to pull out the voice. One of my favorite quotes from my Angelou is, there's no greater agony than the untold story inside of you. So it's publishing, helping tell the untold stories with Ladies Night, helping one woman feel like she's not alone. And then with Strength and Ohm, helping someone to fully accept themselves in their God-given glory. I would hope that those three things, minimum, are part of my legacy. Okay. That is great. Okay, so we're going to wrap up here. But before we do, Siobhan, tell the listeners how they can connect with you. All right, so I will go straight to the website, and then there's links to all of my social media on there. But if you're interested in publishing or books or um, freelance art that showcase, you can go to vkpresses.com with an ES at the end. Um, if you're more interested in the podcast, the women's empowerment, events, and all, that would be ladiesnightpodcast.com. And actually, there's a freebie there. So if you're working on your vision board, there's a printout you can get from that website. And then the third would be strength and ohm, strength, I-N-O-M.com. And um, from there, there's free yoga videos um, and the information about retreats and different things like that. Yeah. Hey, well. <laughs> Well, you are a busy lady, but I really enjoyed speaking with you, and I know that you're going to have impact on others, and what you're striving to do, I think it's amazing um, with your publishing and the, the podcasting, you know, and just being a voice for other women, and I, I just wish you all the success. Thank you so much, Trina, for considering me for your show. Um, I don't take that lightly, so thank you so much for um, extending the offer to be on. Well, I'm 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 thankful that you took your time out to be a guest and to impart some of your wisdom and to really empower the women that are listening because that's my goal is to empower women and to collaborate with other women. So it has been my pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. If you're looking for a speaker for your live event or conference, go to my website and read my bio and contact me at bit.ly forward slash booktrina. I hope you have a great week. Until then, remember, if you change your mindset, you'll change your life. Keep striving. Success is a journey, not a destination. You can listen to Trina Talk anytime and anywhere. It's available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and all other places that you can listen to podcasts. If you like the podcast, please don't forget to go to iTunes to subscribe, rate, review, and share. If you have questions for me or need inspiration on how to go to the next level, tweet me directly at Trina L. Martin.